0: before i get to that i'm re- i'm reminded of a story this morning of this uh it occurred in this small rural town that involved a pastor uh unfortunately the the there was a, a man that passed away and his this he wasn't a, very good he was uh, known in this small town for just uh, being a really rough guy he'd done a lot of terrible things and uh, he had Uh, stolen and just broken and vandalized things and, uh, and just, just wasn't a good guy. But his brother thought he could bribe the pastor. So he goes to the pastor and says, I'll give you a hundred bucks if at the funeral you'll just say that, that my brother was a saint. Just tell everybody he was a saint. And so the pastor took the hundred dollars and the, the, the funeral service came and the pastor says, Well, I just want to tell you this. This may have been the worst guy I ever knew in my life. He committed burglary, he, uh, he was a vandal, and he was a thief. He was just a rotten, terrible guy. But compared to his brother sitting right here, he was a saint. <laughs> Don't mess with pastors. <laughs> okay, that has nothing to do with the message but isn't it good to laugh? The Bible tells us laughter is like a medicine. So I think it's good to laugh. It it's okay to laugh from time to time. So how many here has been watching the Olympics? You have been watching the Olympics? Okay? A few. They say the ratings are down. Uh but I've watched a little bit. My wife and I have watched it. And I I I I don't know if it's me or something else, but as I I've noticed as I've watched it, just seems like, I don't have the same kind of passion and uh, excitement for watching the Olympics that I've had in years past. And uh, it seems like even the, the athletes don't have that same kind of excitement and passion as well. And, uh, you know, I can, have, I can remember in 2008 during the Beijing Olympics, maybe you, you all remember this as well, uh, during the men's four by 100 relay finals that swimming finals there was just a tremendous race and uh going into that race there france was kind of the the favorite and they had been you know really saying these things really stirring things up with the americans and uh the, the france was a the f- favorite they were qu- they were quoted in the paper saying this they were going to smash them referring to the americans he says that's what we came here for so there was a lot of excitement to watch this race, and as you can imagine, that, that put a huge fire in, into the United States going into the final. So as the race was getting to, ready to start, you could see Michael Phelps and the rest of the team with their arms around each other. They just had their arms around each other right before the race, and they're just uh, just getting ready for the race. Then the race started. Phelps swam the first leg of the race, and after the first leg, it appeared that it was pretty much tied, that the race was tied. Then Garrett Weber Gale took the second leg and gained a little bit of a lead over France. And then the third leg came and France would overtake Colin Jones for the American team and they would take the lead. Then they came to the fourth and final leg while the United States was in second. So as Jason... Lezac for the United States dove into the water to swim the last 100 meters, the announcer said this, I just don't think they can do it for another Americans. It looked like he was going to be right. So after the first 50 meters, France was really starting to pull away. Their lead was growing. And the announcer says, the United States are trying to hold on to second. They should get the silver medal. So while the announcers are saying this, if you watch the, if you can go back and watch this, the, the screen goes to Lizak's teammates who are, they're just enthusiastically and passionately cheering him on to go, go, go. And you can just see the excitement and the passion and they're just really rooting for their teammate. And uh, they just intently staring, staring and cheering the rest of the race. And then Lizak begins to close the gap between him and France. Victory within reach as it was getting closer and closer. You could see Phelps and Garrett get more and more passionate. Then the race finishes with Lizak just touching the wall just barely a fraction of a second before France, and they won the race. And they camera pans to... Phelps and Garrett and the rest of the team, and they're just ecstatic. You can just see the passion. I mean, they're just, it's a famous picture. You see Michael Phelps just doing this. It was just exciting. It was, there was just great passion going on there. There was great joy. And the crowd began to chant, USA, USA, USA. Well, Phelps was pumping his fist in the air. Some have called it the best relay ever. Well, what made it such a great relay? What was it? Was it because it was close? Well, I don't think so, because other races have been close. I've seen closer races this year, but I didn't see the passion. So I don't think it was just because it was close. Was it because how hard they all worked in preparation for the event? Well, I don't think that was it either, because they, all the Olympians work hard for their event. So I don't think that was it. Was it because they were so meticulous in preparation? Was it because of their superb t- technique? How many of you have watched a swing race and you just evaluate their technique? I don't do that because I don't know what good technique is for a swimmer. I know they need to breathe, okay, but I know, but I don't know what a good technique is. So it was, that didn't make it the best relay ever. Was it because the announcers made it great? With their superior announcing ability? No, that wasn't it either. I tell you this, this is what made it great. It was the passion that you saw from the team. They had passion. They were excited. You could tell, you could see it. And that passion overflowed to those viewers that were watching it. Those that were on the team were passionate. I can tell you this for certain: they weren't indifferent. The American team. They wanted to win. And they were. They didn't want to lose. And you could see it. They did not only put in the work. They did not only perfect their craft. They did not only show up. No, it was much more than that. They had passion and love for what they were doing. And you could see it. You could see it. They had this passion and love for what they were doing. It was obvious. You know, this year, I don't see that same type of passion, though, in what I've seen in past Olympics. You know, if you've been watching the news in the Olympics, you probably have heard uh, uh, the person that people were most excited to see in the Olympics this year was Simone Biles. Uh, just Some have said she's the greatest gymnastic gymnast ever, uh, woman gymnast, gymnast ever, and so people were excited to see her. However, you've been watching, you know something went wrong. Maybe you haven't, so I'll tell you a little about it. So during the qualifying rounds, Simone was not scoring as well as she normally does. And she, she had a few, few miscues. And in spite of those mistakes, she still qualified in first place for all, for the all-around competition. And she was the only one to qualify for all the individual event finals she qualified in first in one event and second in another but she qualified for all four of the events but i remember watching some of the coverage after that first day of qualifications and the announcers were talking about the upcoming team competition and uh something stuck out to me the, the announcers were talking about how simone she would need to step it up to her usual performance if the united states were going to win and uh Though score, her scores, although their scores were very good and they were better than most, they were saying that she was falling short of where she normally scores. I thought, wow, the pressure must be intense for her. And I was thinking, I hope she's not watching this newscast because it's not going to make it any easier. And uh, then the next day, I see a statement that she put out on social media that said this: it "says it wasn't an easy day or my best." but I got through it. I truly do feel like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders at times. I know I brush it off and make it seem like pressure doesn't affect me. But, I won't say the next word, sometimes it's hard. The Olympics is no joke, but I'm happy my family was able to be with me. That they mean the world to me. Then attached to that was a picture of her. She just looked like she had the weight of the world on her shoulders. And I thought, Wow. But the phrase that struck out to me was this, I have the weight of the world on my shoulders at times. So the next day, Simone, she went on and attempted to compete And her first vault. She did not do well, and so she withdrew from the rest of the competition. I thought, how sad. She was out. The question is, why was she out? Why was she out of the competition? Was she weak? If you listen to the pundits, you hear all kinds of things. Oh no, I mean physically, she's a, she's a strong lady. Uh maybe the strongest we've ever seen. Was she mentally weak? That was the reason some gave to why she withdrew. They say she they say she was experiencing some psychological phenomenon called the twisties, and which means when she goes to do a vault and she's twisting, she loses. Uh, where she is in her routine and and so it's sort of like if you are a baseball fan called the they, they they call it the the where they where a pitcher cannot th- throw the ball right it just no matter what they do they just cannot throw to their intended target something similar to that um, so was it she just mentally weak so that must have been it right Too much pressure. She just couldn't handle the pressure. Some say the problem was that since she had won so many gold medals in the past, that she had all this pressure to win them again. So that's the reason why she wasn't performing well. So perhaps it was all our fault. Some would say it was all our fault we put too much pressure on our Olympians to perform. Was it all our fault? Well, there may be a little truth to the pressure we put on others, but... But I tell you that none of those things is the problem or the solution. By the way, because she dropped out, does that mean she didn't have passion? I don't think so. Does it mean she didn't love gymnastics anymore? I don't think that's true. But I'd say this, I don't think she was enjoying it anymore. I don't think she enjoyed it like when she first started. Well, that statement says it all, though. I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. I thought this there's no athlete that can compete with extra weight. There is no athlete that can perform to the top of their game. Imagine a track athlete running uh, in a track meet and they put, they have to carry dumbbells and run the race. Wouldn't be able to run the race, would they? No. You know, it's hard enough to compete at a high level, but when you add extra weight, it puts you at a disadvantage. But get this, though. Not only does it make competing much more difficult, it makes competing a chore. Now, imagine all that weight. Do you think she was enjoying her time in Tokyo? I don't think so. She says she puts on a a happy face, but inside, I'd say she was pretty miserable by the all appearances. You know, extra weight makes us joyless. It, uh, and if you go on competing with the extra baggage, you'll eventually not want to com- compete any, at all anymore. And that's what happened. She's carrying this weight. And eventually she dropped out. You know, one man's solutions, solution was this. I read an article, and his solution was this. It was to make Olympic athletes retire after they win gold. So they go to the Olympics, they win gold, here's his solution. We'll make them retire. We won't allow them to go to the next Olympics, and here's why. We're going to save them from themselves so they don't have to feel that pressure. We will make them retire. Is that a good solution? We just won't allow him to complete. But he was completely serious. I thought it was a joke at first. I said, you know, but he was completely serious. This was his solution. He wanted to list all the extra pressure that Simone had that others do not. She she said, he said, well, she was a victim of, remember Larry Nasser know that the, the thing with the, the gymnasts, and she she was so she had that, okay? She had that that pressure, that weight. She she even herself said she wanted to compete to represent those that had been victimized by her. So she had that pressure. She had that weight on her. And uh then he listed her race as being a weight as she was breaking these barriers as a, a black uh woman in gymnastics. So she listed that. Then her status as an inspirational role model along with all these various so she, injuries that she had. So he said, look at all this weight and pressure that she had. We, we should just not allow them to compete after they've won gold and we'll just take all that pressure away so his solution is eliminate the pressure drop out in fact force them to drop out for their own good I will tell you this let me tell you this that is the worst advice I've ever heard that doesn't fix the problem let me explain you see the Bible compares the Christian life to a race and I have a feeling though some of us have taken that very approach to the Christian life. So a Christian first gets saved and you're excited and you want to serve God, you're sharing the gospel with people. You got this passion about Christ. It's new and it's great. You love reading your Bible. You you want to be at church every time the doors are open and you begin to see victory over sin in your life and the light is shining brightly and Perhaps even other people are getting saved because of your testimony and you're sharing Christ with others. You're on this mountaintop, and you're willing and happy to say yes to opportunities to serve. Everything's great. You're living, you're on the mountaintop. Then what happens? You begin to have trials. You begin to have trials. You begin to become more aware of your own sin. Then perhaps someone at church says something that hurts you. Then things begin to get a little harder. You you still have the joy, but you you don't quite have as much passion to serve as you had before. But you keep going because you know that's the right thing to do. I just keep going. You want to be a good testimony. You say, I want to be a good testimony, so you keep going. You don't want others, including the lost, to see you struggle, so you keep plugging away. Then at some point you begin to think about scaling things back. I need to scale things back a little bit. Uh, you say, well, I'll start with the extra things like teaching a class. You know, I need to step, take a step back. So I'll, I'll stop teaching that class. And then, or maybe, uh, going bus calling or visitation or, or any other number of areas of service, those extra things. I'll just take a step back. And because after all, that's where you experience the most pressure, right? So, I'll take a step back. So, it makes sense to scale back, right? That's where the pressure is. You may think, you may think this, I just need to sit in the service and worship. I just need to sit in the service and worship, and then I will get back to serving when I get the passion back. Then I will get back to serving. I still have some joy in coming to church. I don't want to lose that too. So, I, 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 so I'm going to get away from those areas of pressure. But then more trials come. And once again, you get hurted by somebody else in the church or somewhere else. Then you find it harder and harder to want to come to even the worship services. Another Wednesday rolls around and you are tired. Maybe you've been working hard, so you decide, oh, you know, I'm going to skip Wednesday. I need to rest. I need to take a rest. I need to, my body needs a rest. Then you eventually start missing a Sunday evening service because you need to spend time with the family, right? You know, I've been doing all these other things. I, I need to spend time with the family. So I'll skip Sunday evening. And then maybe once in a while, you skip or miss a Sunday morning service. And then, then you start getting the calls from pastor. Hey, where have you been? Why You're missing Sunday morning service. Where have you been? And that just annoys you and gets under your skin. It's like, oh, I've done so much and I just need a break. So you think that's causing pressure. And that makes you just not want to answer the phone or answer the door. By the way, at some point along the way here, you begin to dabble in your preferred sin. You know, I can excuse it, right? I need a relief, so I'm going to do this or do that. So I need to relieve this pressure somehow, so I'm going to participate in this sin. You know what? This pattern is all too common. And in fact, it's pretty much what that journalist suggested to do when you have weight on you. Just eliminate the pressure. That's what you need to do, right? My concern is, as Christians, that we take on the philosophies of the world and apply them to the Christian life. Let me tell you this, that is not the solution and it's not the problem. I I believe the solution for the Christian can be found in a couple of portions of Scripture. However, before I get to that, I must ask this. First of all, for the rest of this message, let me ask you this. Do you want to be in the race? Think about that. Do you want to be in the race? Do you want to serve Christ? If the answer is no, then the rest of this message isn't for you. I'm going to be blunt. But if you do, okay, I really want you to pay attention to the rest of the message. This is a message intended to give you a solution to those that want to be in the race. Uh, if every Christian, every Christian should want to be in the race, okay? If not, it's like t- t- taking a baseball player that, that doesn't want to play baseball. That doesn't make any sense. You're a baseball player. Why don't you want to play baseball? If you're a Christian, why don't you want to serve Christ? That's who you are. Right? So the question is, are you a Christian? That's the question that must be asked. Let's say you are a Christian. You want to be in the race. But you've had weight. What do we do? What do we do? Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1-3. through 3. Bible says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do so easily beset us, and let us run with patience to the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such Contradiction of sinners against themselves, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you've called us to a race of faith, Lord, a life of service to you, Lord. When you saved us, you called us into servitude to be your servant. I'm thankful that you're the good master, Lord, that we once served sin, but now we serve you. Lord, that's who we are. Lord, I know this life can be hard. Lord, I know that we have an enemy that wants to knock us out of the race, get us to quit. Lord, so Lord, as we look at the truth of Your Word this morning, I pray that You'd open hearts, guide my lips, and I thank You for it, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so we're the Bible often compares the Christian life to a race, okay? And uh, But as any other athletic event... As I said earlier, if you have weights, running that race is going to be difficult. And you're going to follow that pattern that we see and what we've seen in the news with Simone. So the first thing we have to do, okay, and if we want to stay in the race and want to run the race and participate and thrive in the race, is we got to cast off the weights. We have to deal with the weights. The problem that Simone had was not the pressure and the weights. She didn't know what to do with them. So she kept carrying them. But too often as Christians, we're carrying weight, and we're trying to serve Christ, we're getting tired, we get wore out, and we think the solution is, i got to eliminate the pressure that comes from serving, but really what we got to do is cast off the weights and deal with the weight that's what's weighing us down, what's bogging us down. So too often we're like the guy in that, like this, trying to serve we're trying to serve and we're just carrying this weight. And when we're on the hall, why am I so tired all the time? Oh, why is it so hard to go to church? Why is it so hard to, oh, I don't, you know, because we got all this weight. So the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight, every weight. Well, what is a weight? It's anything that hinders you from serving the Lord. Let me say it again. Anything that hinders you from serving the Lord is a weight. So it says, lay aside every weight or every burden. So we're going to look at some of the most common weights because there's a vast amount of things that could be a weight. But we're going to look at casting off these weights. We're going to look at some of the most common ones that are detrimental to serving the Lord. Number one, guilt. Weight of guilt. Things you have done. Guilt over the past will keep you out of the race you know when you first got saved you run freely because you first experienced the grace of god you first experience you praise the lord all that weight's lifted all the shame and guilt and all that's gone and you say praise the lord and you're running the race and sharing the gospel and everything what's the problem though we still sin after salvation right unfortunately we do we may sin less but we're not sinless so However, if you, if you try to serve while carrying guilt, you're going to collapse and you're going to drop out under its weight. By the way, I'm not talking about unconfessed sin here. That we'll talk about in a minute. I'm talking about sin from the past that Satan keeps bringing up. He keeps bringing up. Maybe you've confessed it over and over and over again, but Satan keeps bringing it up and it's weighing you down. he's like, I just can't get... But in a minute, so what do you do with that? Well, in a minute, I'm going to tell you what you can do with that weight. Then there's this. Regret. The things you didn't do. The things you didn't do. You say things like this. If I had only done this, or if I had only done that. By the way, don't take Frank Sinatra's advice when it comes to regrets. He says in his famous lyrics, he says this. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I traveled each and every highway. And more and and much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I have a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. I saw it through without exemption. I planned with each chartered course, each careful step along the byway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. I don't know about you, but every time I did it my way, I ended up with regrets. Every time I have did it God's way, I've been blessed. Doing it my way is what led to the regrets. So I don't have anything to brag about by saying, I did it my way. But sometimes we've got that attitude. I'm not going to live with regret because I just did it my way. No one told me what to do. Don't bring up any. No, I did it my way and I'm proud of it. But perhaps you do have some regrets. You know, we all have things we wish we'd done differently. I do. I'm sure you do as well. Perhaps you wish you'd started saving earlier. Perhaps you uh, wish you'd have taken a different job. Or perhaps you wish you'd studied harder in school. Or perhaps you wish you'd been kinder to your parents or siblings or your friends. Perhaps you wish you'd kept your mouth shut over something. Uh, regret, however, though, is a weight. It's a weight that it it, it will knock you out of the race of serving Christ. It will knock you out. It will bog you down. And you can't afford to carry it and try to serve Christ. in a moment i'll tell you what you can do with that weight then there's this bitterness these are things done to you these are things done to you there's nobody in this room that hasn't had something happen to them you know these are results of things that have happened to us we get hurt someone says something someone does something Something happens at work. Something happens in your marriage. Something happens in your family. And yes, something can even happen at church. However, if you do not deal with it God's way, you're going to try to carry that weight a bitterness. Maybe the heaviest weight to carry. It will destroy you will destroy you and all those around you. And you certainly will destroy your relationship with Christ, your service to Christ, carrying this weight of bitterness. Sure enough, before long, you'll be out of the race completely. What do you do with these weights? What do you do with them? What do we do with them? Okay, you say, lay aside. How? How do you do it? What do you do with them? Well, you have two options. One, you have two options. One is keep carrying them. Just keep carrying them. Just keep going the same way you're going. Say, I'm doing it my way. I'm going to keep carrying it. My way of doing it, I'm going to just keep carrying guilt, keep carrying regret, keep carrying the bitterness. But the Bible says to lay them aside, but how do you do it? Psalm 55.22 says this, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee; He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. What burdens you today? What is weighing you down? God says, give it to me. Give me that weight. I can carry it. Give it to me. Cast your burden upon me. You have to do something with it. You can't just keep carrying and doing the same thing over and over and think it's going to go away. If you keep carrying you're going to drop out. You're going to be defeated. God says, cast your burden. Cast your care upon Me. Let Me carry it away. Give it to Me. You don't have to carry it anymore. This requires faith to give it to God. He's willing to forgive your sin. He's able to overcome your regrets. He is sovereign over all your injustices. He is more powerful than you. He is wiser than you. He's all-knowing. He's holy and He's righteous. He can take your burden you can trust him with your burden he will do a better job with it than you Not only that he wants to cast our burdens upon him he wants us to do this he commands us to do it cast your burdens upon me he says in philippians chapter 4 verses 6 to 7 be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known unto god in the peace of god which passes understanding shall keep your hearts In minds through Christ Jesus. He wants us to cast our care upon him. He says, Give me your cares. I want you back in the race. He said, Give it to me. I want you in the race. It's okay. It doesn't mean you don't care. It means that you trust Jesus with your cares. You know, you should all have a couple pieces of paper that you got when you came into the service. I want you to write on it. I want you to pull those out. Now, we'll be looking around at each other's papers. And by the way, we should be more concerned with, with what God knows than what other people might find out. Are you more concerned with what God knows than what other people might find out? So we want to, I want you to write on it the weights you need to cast off maybe it's guilt okay write down what it is now don't worry no one's gonna see it nobody looking around you're not gonna hand it in just write it down what is it you're feeling guilty you go maybe it's a regret something you regret something you didn't do you wish you had done it's weighing you down would you just write that down Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe someone's hurt you before. Something's happened. You don't have to write down their name. Maybe put their initials. But something where you know this is what, what it is. Between you and God. But write it down. This is this is a weight. These are weights that's weighing me down. I want to be in the race, but these have been just weighing me down. You've got to do something with it. And after you've written it down... By the way, there are other weights such as idols. Idols. Things that we're putting before God. Maybe you have an idol that you need to cast off. You write that down. Maybe you have some friends that are keeping you from serving Christ because of their influence. Maybe you have to make some of those hard decisions. You can write that down as well. Whatever it is that's weighing you down, write it down. Then I want you to take it and fold it up a couple times. And hold on to it. Just hold on. I'll tell you what to do with it in a minute. Just fold it up. Now I want you to write down this. On the other sheet of paper. On the other sheet of paper, I want you to write down this. Philippians 3.13-14 says this. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And doing what? and reaching forth under those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God, Christ. What is it saying? I put away the weights in the past, and I'm going to run the race. I put away the weights, I'm going to run the race. If you're carrying the weight of bitterness, write this verse down as well. Romans 12:19 "Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, rather give place unto wrath: for it is written, Vengeance is mine; I will repay, saith the Lord." When someone's hurt you, to forgive is not to let someone off the hook. It's saying, "Lord, I'm not going to play judge. You're the judge. You're the righteous judge." I'm gonna let you take that role. I'm gonna step back and let you handle the matters of justice. And I'm gonna trust you with it and I'm going to let you deal with it. But I'm not gonna carry that weight anymore. I'm gonna cast it off. I'm gonna put it behind. I'm gonna run the race. For the re- rest of this week, those verses, I'm gonna ask you to meditate on them, memorize them, meditate them, think about them, chew on them throughout the week. Other weights. I've already mentioned some of them. Bad friends, wrong priorities, fear, fear, unbelief, idols. And the next, we got to cast off besetting sins. We're foreseeing, we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of wetness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. A besetting sin is the sin that easily entangles us. It's the one we constantly find ourselves doing. It's a sin that clings to us. It's the one we turn to first in our flesh. It is different for each one of us, by the way. But we all have them. Okay. So, for some it's anger. For some it's jealousy. For some it's fear. For some it's gossip. For some it's lust. For some it's lying. For some it's different substances. The possibilities are long. However, you, you know what yours is. You, right away, you know, right? I know what mine is. Okay. You should not have to think about it long. Often this is the sin we justify. We say things like, that's how I was raised. Uh, I got it from my mother or my father. I just can't help it. I'm different. You just don't understand. However, as we begin to be sanctified by God as as he, and He confronts our besetting sins. You know, when you first get saved, you not may not be aware of them. Okay. However, over time, as God continues to shape shape and mold you, you become more and more aware of your sin. And if you don't deal with them, you'll find yourself dropping out of the race rather than be exposed. You say, well, I'm serving, but I just, the pressure gets to me and my besetting sin seems to come out. So I don't want anybody to know about it, so I'm, I'm going to get rid of the pressure and keep the besetting sin. You've got to get rid of, of the weight by getting rid of the besetting sin. So you must, what do you do with it? What are you going to do with it? You've got to confess it, confess it as sin. Then two, ask God to forgive you. And three, ask God to help you overcome it. But we must deal with them if we're going to run the race. If we're going to serve the Lord. We all have them. So, no, we're not going to be perfect while on this earth. However, we cannot get into a place of apathy over sin. So if you want to be in the race, we need to deal with our besetting sins. Let's take a moment right now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Would you just say, Lord, I confess my sin, whatever it is, whatever it is for you, would you just close your eyes, and say, Lord, this is this keeps getting me. Lord, Lord, I confess it. It's sin. Lord, forgive me. And would you help me overcome this sin? Just take a minute to do that. You know what it is. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He casts away our sin to the depths of the sea. He no longer remembers our sin. Okay. Folks, earlier I said this. I said... for. That this was for those that want to be in the race. These things we discussed are things that hinder us. They bog us down. They create apathy. They cause they put us out of the race. But here's what we're gonna do. We'll ask the pianist to come up and play an invitational hymn. We'll ask you to stand with your eyes closed and your closed and your heads bowed. And as Brenda begins to play invitational hymn, I want you to take that piece of paper that you wrote on those weights and with eyes closed, heads bowed would you come forward, I've got a waste basket up here would you take that weight come up and cast it off this is just an exercise would you come up and get rid of it No one's going to read it, but would you come up and just throw it in the wastebasket? Just get rid of it? What are you carrying? say, I want to be in the race, but I can't carry this weight anymore. I've got to get rid of it. Would you come forward, throw it in the wastebasket, spend a moment in prayer. Say, Lord, today I'm leaving this with You. I'm casting my care upon you today. I'm not going to carry this weight anymore. Many are coming forward. How about you? This isn't for me or this is God wants you in the race. What are you carrying? You say, Lord, I'm giving this weight to you. I'm done carrying this. It's yours. Can't carry it anymore. Lord, I want to be in the race. Several came forward dozens this morning. About you? Got a moment yet? Don't leave here carrying that weight. God doesn't want you to carry it anymore. You know, God doesn't want us to be burdened with the cares of this world. He wants you in the race. Now, you've cast it off. You said, Lord, this is Yours. Now turn your eyes on Christ. Put your eyes on the finish line. He said, put those things behind and now I'm pressing forward in the mark of the high call. I'm pressing on. I'm in the race. we us spend a moment in prayer and say, Lord, thank You, Lord. I don't have to carry that anymore. Thank You for taking that weight off of me. Thank You, Lord, for what You've done for us. Tonight, we're going to deal with part two of this message, which is reigniting the passion for Christ. Reigniting that love and passion for Christ. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You, Lord, Lord, that we don't have to carry these weights of guilt, shame, of regret, of bitterness, Lord. Lord, I thank You that You want us to cast these things on You. Everything that's getting in the way of, the, of us serving You, Lord. Lord, help us to run freely. Help us to keep our eyes on the mark. Help us to run the race, Lord, as we leave here today. Lord, as tonight we'll be observing the Lord's Supper, Lord. I pray, Lord, Lord, that we'd remember always what You've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.